Welcome, Concord. Welcome, online fam. Welcome to everybody that is joining us as we continue our Generation Series. Are you ready for the Word? Doesn't worship just, just make you? Worship, worship is like a good appetizer, right? It just makes you hungry for more. That wasn't, that wasn't the meal. That was just the appetizer for the Word. So go ahead, and if you would, take out your copy of God's Word. Some of you like to write on paper. Others of you are digital. If you're digital note takers, we've started putting our notes in the app, right there in the app, and you can fill in the blanks and email those to yourself, and I encourage you to do that. If you're online, maybe switch and, and watch it on your TV and grab your phone and pull up your app, and, and so you can follow along And all of our paper uh, note takers. God loves you just a little bit more because we know that paper is, is where the true blessing is, but if you'll take your copy of God's Word and t- turn to the book of Genesis chapter 15. I want to say thank you to everyone that has battled all the weather and cold and everything and joined us for these 21 days of prayer. Come on, can we say thank you for our prayer warriors in the house? If your neighbor starts to nod off, uh, you'll know that it's because that they were at every one of the 6 a.m. And so they may just need a gentle, gentle nudge. And so we've had, I think we've been online only the past two mornings, but uh, tomorrow we'll We'll be back live. We'll be back live 6 o'clock in Suite 5 over across the street. Let's finish strong. Amen. Let's finish strong. Pastor Adam, I didn't know Pastor Adam could preach, y'all. Pastor Adam can throw down. And I don't know if it was on uh, Friday, but he talked about laying the foundation. Laying the foundation, and that's what we're doing during these 21 days of prayer. Here's what you're doing. You're laying, when you pray in the morning, you're laying the foundation for your day. When you pray these 21 days in January, you're laying the foundation for your year. When we pray, I believe that we are laying the foundation for the future of of our church. I hope this is okay. I don't mean, I will never call somebody out uh, or, or embarrass anybody, but Brent, you know a little bit about foundations, and when we were worshiping, um, what I just felt in my spirit was the Lord was telling, to you, telling you and Lauren that he has seen the amazing foundation that you have laid in faith and, and a whole lot of other things, but sometimes when you're laying the foundation, you're looking, you're like, where's everything else, right? Like, the foundation isn't, isn't the cool part, but it's the necessary part, and the Lord's seen your faithfulness in laying the foundation and then you know from construction that everything else begins to go go up very quickly and you're going to see some things come up very quickly in your life in your business in your family because the Lord has been very pleased with the foundation that you've laid and so foundations are important amen foundations are important we're laying the foundation we are laying during these 21 days and, and other times but we are laying you are laying the foundation for your children you're laying the foundation for your grandkids that you haven't even met, for your great-grandkids that you haven't even met yet. You are laying the foundation for the future of multiplied church. I believe that prophetically. We are, during these 21 days, we are laying the foundation for the future of multiply church. And um, so, so thank you for what you're doing, and let's, let's finish, finish strong. Let's read our, our theme scriptures in the book of Genesis through this generation series, generation, uh, Genesis chapter 12 for, for a generations series. And God says this to Abram. He says, I will make you into a great nation. Everybody say great. great. That word is important. Highlight it, circle it, hold on to it. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you. 
and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Galatians 3.29, the Apostle Paul appropriates through the Holy Spirit, appropriates those promises to us, even though you may not be Jewish in your physical lineage, you are a Hebrew in your spiritual lineage, amen, and now that you belong to Christ... You are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. So let's pick up now Abram or Abraham's journey in Genesis 15. And it begins by saying this, sometime later. Say sometime later. I could preach a whole sermon on sometime later. How many of you have found in your life that God gives a promise and that your timeline and God's timeline don't always match? How many of you found that God, God's time is usually sometime, sometime later? You know what, you know what I find interesting? We don't even, we don't even know. It doesn't say. We don't know if it's you know, you can go back and you'd probably do a little bit, little bit of figuring. But all Abram, Abram didn't know at the time. All he knew was sometime later. Sometimes in your spiritual life and in your spiritual journey, all you are going to know is that it's sometime later. God isn't going to give you a timeline. He's not going to say this specific day. He's not. In fact, do you remember when the disciples asked one of the most important questions to Jesus that they could ask? They said. Lord, when, 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 when? Have you ever asked God when? <laughs> Lord, I believe just when. I, I believe I was 27 years old. Lord, I believe I'm going to get married, but, but when? <laughs> Lord, w- Lord, when? The disciples asked Jesus, Lord, when are you going to return and restore the kingdom of Israel. And what did Jesus say? It's not for you to know. Don't you love it when Jesus just coddles you like that? Jesus said, none ya. <laughs> none ya business. <laughs> but I love what he says next. Don't stop reading there. He says, it's not for you to know, but you will be filled with power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You may not know when, but you are already filled with the power of God to get through every challenge, every situation, everything until the when happens. You have power to step out and do amazing things for the kingdom of God. I was reading something that was really interesting. You know, you have um, EST, CST, right? So Eastern Standard time. Central standard time. You know why they call it standard time? I never knew this. Because back in the day, there was no standard time. In fact, every town just kind of got to choose their own time. In fact, it not, not just their own, t- own time, but some towns a little bit further removed from others, so maybe 50 miles removed. From, like, it was an entirely different day in that town than it was in the other town. Like, you know, Tuesday in Concord, Wednesday in Mount Pleasant. Like, it, it just... Choose and you say, well, what's the especially in that day, right? When they weren't as interconnected, what's what's the big deal that everybody just chose their own time? But when it came to things like the post office 
And when it came to delivery, if the post office in another town was closed on a Saturday, how many of you know that being in sync on time matters? Here's what happens sometimes in our relationship with God. We think that we get to choose whatever time we want, and our time is not God's time, but God says you need to get in sync with my time. My time. See, he's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. He is the one who operates outside of time. He is the one who causes the sun to stand still. God does not operate within the confines of time. God created time. He is the creator of time. And the creator of time can fast forward, pause, rewind, whatever he needs to do in your life to deliver his promises on time. Come on, somebody give God praise. Because his promises will be on time in your life. The Lord spoke sometime later. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be very, there's that word again, great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have A son, since you've given me no children, Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. Just the way I read that, I read that Eleazar is standing right there and he's like, Abram, I can hear you. You know, anyway, you have given me no descendants of my own. So one of my servants will be my heir. The word that I want to preach today is when God promised you Isaac and all you have is Eleazar. Let, let, me get, let me give you the subtitle to this. The subtitle is when God promises you great, don't settle for good enough. See, here's, here's what you have to understand about Eleazar. Eleazar is the heir to Abram's entire fortune. So Ab- Abram is one of the wealthiest men in the world. At the time. So, so I want you to think of that in, in modern context. Think of some of the people that would top that list. Think of, think of a, a, a Bill Gates or, or, you know, think of somebody at that level. The Eleazar is Bill Gates' CEO. Like he's the, he's the chief of staff. This isn't, this isn't the, the servant that just comes in and does a task. This is the servant that is over the armies and over the finances and over the travel and over the food and over all of this. And so Eleazar is not some low-level person. Eleazar is good, but Eleazar is not the promise. There on your notes, I want to walk you through this. I think this will really help you when it comes to, see, there are things in our lives that can cause us to quit. There are some things in our lives that cause us to stop short of receiving the fullness of the promises of God in our lives. So these are some things that can hinder our faith and keep us from receiving the fullness of the promises. Desert seasons. That's one S, by the way. Some of you got all excited. Desert season. I'm believing for that. I'm getting ready to enter it. No, that was called Christmas. We're past Christmas. This is a desert season. We all walk through desert seasons. Desert seasons are seasons when we don't see anything or feel anything. Have you been there? If you haven't, you will. (laughs) 
I mean, you'll be, you'll be in services where every worship song was handwritten from the pen of an angel straight for you, where like the tears are flowing, and you'll be in worship services where it seems dry, where you're digging, you're taking notes, not because you're amening, but just out of obedience. Like you will walk through some, and if we're not careful, we'll stop when it gets dry. We'll stop. Sometimes, sometimes we walk away from God's presence, yes. But there are sometimes when God pulls back a little bit, I believe, to see if our faith will allow us to follow him even when we don't feel it. And that's when, that's when the muscle grows. And they're not fun seasons, but they are muscle growing seasons. And we learn to walk by faith and not by sight. We learn to walk by faith and not by feelings. But many people stop and just kind of give up because well, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like it did, right? It doesn't feel like it did. And then there's Canaanite seasons. Canaanite seasons are when we stop short of the promises of God because we see problems and challenges. So in desert seasons, we can stop because we don't see anything. And that can be very challenging for your faith. God, I, I believe your promise, but I don't see anything. Canaanite seasons are, God, I believe that you promised me Isaac, but all I see are Canaanites. All I see are problems. All I see are challenges. All I see are obstacles. And those seasons can get us to give up and stop short. Those two are a little bit more obvious when it comes to maturing in the Christian faith. But here's, this, here's the season that a lot of Christians don't understand. And if you don't understand this season, the enemy is so sneaky. Because if he can't stop you with a desert season, and he can't stop you with a Canaanite season, he'll stop you with an Eleazar season. An Eleazar season is when you step into something that's good enough. See, in an, does that make sense? Is, Pastor, it's good. It's good. My health, my health it's, it's good. It's good enough. Pastor, my, my marriage isn't as bad as other people. It's good, it's good enough. Oh, my, jo- my job, my, minist- my ministry, it's good enough. What if the enemy is actually using Eleazar to keep, when, when did God say, God, I, God never said, God never said, Abram, I will bless you and I will make you good enough. Your promise is greatness, and God sent me today to tell you not to settle. God sent me today to remind you to keep going. Don't you ever stop short. Eleazar was fine for a season, but Eleazar is not your final destination. You keep going. If God promised you Isaac, then it doesn't matter during desert seasons, during whatever season it is, you hold on. You hold on. Hold on for Isaac. Hold on for, for God's best. That can, that can happen in a number of ways, right? Can I ask you this? If, if you're not married yet, are you in an Eleazar relationship? Some, sometimes we date people not because they are God's best, but because they're convenient. They're there. 
single adult. You are not on anybody else's time. You're not on your best friend's time and you were just in her wedding. You are on God, God's time and God has an Isaac for you. Don't you go marrying Eleazar. Don't you go marrying good enough. What, a, what about your, your job? Are, do, do you feel like, you're, well, I'm, it's good enough. I know everybody else is in turmoil right now with their, their company. My job's good enough. But is it Isaac? Is it Isaac? Let me ask you, what's your Isaac? That's why you got to write the dream down. You got to write Isaac down. Because you will walk through seasons where the enemy will say, oh, just stop short. It's good enough. Eleazar is good enough. And you got to go back in your journal and say, God, thank you for the provision of Eleazar for a season, but I'm not stopping there. I'm going all the way to Isaac. Come on, I need everybody that's going for Isaac to give him a shout of praise in the house today. Don't settle. Don't settle. Don't settle. Don't settle for a servant when you're promised a son. He says, he says, oh, sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Watch this. You say, Abraham's complaining. No, I don't think he is. I think Abraham is voicing a holy discontent. Those are two different things. And the line is razor thin. And the devil is operate, operates in complaining And the Holy Spirit operates in a holy discontent. Complaining focuses on the negative, but a holy discontent says, God, there's got to be more. I call you, church, not to be in, especially in these days. I call you not to be a church and a people of complaining, but you will be a people of holy discontent. You will not settle. You will not say, well, I guess that's just the way America is now. We're not just, well, I guess that's just the way the entertainment industry is. Well, I guess that's just the way the school systems are. No, I call a holy discontent to arise within you and say, God has more for us, and we are going to lead the way. God, see, God doesn't respond well to complaining, but he responds well to a holy discontent that yearns for him and believes him for more and presses on beyond the current situation. And I love, I love Abram's posture here in this. Oh, sovereign Lord, what good, can, can I change this around a, a little bit? What good is all the stuff when I don't even have a son? You can be full of stuff, but still be poor if you're not rich in relationships. Relationships are God's primary vehicle of blessing, not your bank account, not your car, and not your house. When you realize that true wealth in life is found in relationships, you will be a rich person. You'll, you'll join a tribe. You'll become a tribe leader. You'll say this is, I love the way Pastor Steve said it earlier, not just worshiping shoulder to shoulder in worship, but worshiping face to face and drawing close in relationship. Let me, let me, let me give you these three, three things. How not to settle. Let's just get really practical here. How not to settle. How many of you don't want to settle? Say amen. You're going for Isaac. 
No Eleazar, how not to settle. Number one, and I mentioned this, but let me just go take it to the next step. Know that God's promises are still good even after some time later. So the Lord responds in verse four, then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. How many of y'all remember when food used to have something called an expiration date? Y'all remember that? But it doesn't anymore, does it? What's it, what's it have? A, a, a sell or a best before. Best before. But how many of you understand that best before does not mean expired? In fact, I was, I was reading some of these things. Some of those products are good for like two years afterwards. And, and so best before, I'm not going to call it lying, but I'm going to call it a marketing tool, Right? To get you to throw away, to get you to throw away a product when the product is still good. I wonder how many times the enemy tricks us and tries to get us to throw away a promise that is still perfectly good in your life. God says, don't throw it away. He says, pull it out of the trash, dust it off. Five second rule. Say five second rule. Five second rule, y'all. It's still good. It's still good. It's still good. How not to settle. Understand that sometimes God needs to change your physical place so he can change your perspective. He needs to change our physical place so he can change our perspective. Verse 5. Then the Lord took Abram outside. Sometimes in our lives, just a simple step away from our routine it's amazing how God will use that to open up a different perspective. Um, this is impossible for everybody in every season, but, but you know, we take, we take business trips or we take vacations. What about, a, what about a prayer retreat? What about a 24-hour prayer retreat where you, where you get out of town and you just say, God, I'm going to change my place. God, change my perspective. I, I, again, I know, I know that's not always possible, but what about just dur- during the day? God, I'm, I'm going to go outside. I'm going to put on 18 layers of clothing. Pers- perspective, right? I don't know what it was here the other day. It was in the 20s. I called my dad in Pennsylvania. He said, it's eight here. So perspective. We had an inch of snow. They had a foot of snow. Perspective, right? But just go, go outside or walk into a different room. Again, 21 days of prayer. And thank you for those of you that are, are joining us online. I'm so thankful for it. But, but sometimes that change of place, that change of, of place, sometimes just coming forward. Those of you who responded earlier to an altar, sometimes when you change your place, God is able to speak to you. And there's something about physical movement sometimes that quickens our hearts and quickens our spirits. And we begin to see things from a different angle. I love what Mark Batterson says. He says, prayers are prophecies. They are the best predictors of your spiritual future. Who you become is determined by how you pray. The transcript of your prayers becomes the script of your life. How not to settle, number three, realize that our lives become what we look at. That's... uh. That can be sobering, right? Realize that our lives become what we look at. So then God says, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. 
that's how many descendants you will have. I want to submit to you that there's a difference between look up in the sky, right? Everybody, everybody look up in the sky, all right? Now look up in the, look up in this, or let's change it for the uh, context of here. Look up at the ceiling. Just look up, look up at the ceiling. All right, now look up at the ceiling and count the lights. All right, you can stop. It's just an illustration. You don't need to really know lights. Now I'm making sure that there's no lights out. <laughs> I don't think there is, but there's a, are there? Check the lights before you use an illustration, Pastor. Pastor Steve, you got that facilities request put in right now. On it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> there's a, but there's a different. See, when you, when you count something, you can't, you can't glance. You can't glance. There's a difference between a glance and a gaze. And too many of us just glance at the promises of God. We need to gaze at the promises of God. Oh, gaze at the promise. Gaze at the promise. It's okay. Gaze at the promise. Spouses, join, join hands and get down on your knees and gaze at the promise together. God, we're believing you for this. It's okay to gaze, church. It's okay. Get your hopes up again. Let your faith rise again. It's okay to read the word. Don't just glance at the word. Gaze at the word. Close your eyes. And it may take you 20. This morning, can I tell you the faults and the, the, the failures of your pastor's prayer life? It took me an hour before I could get the distraction out of my head before I finally was able to lock in with Jesus and to begin to walk around the prayer room and, and, and proclaim the power and the presence of God. Sometimes it will take you longer than you want to, but don't just glance at the promises of God. Don't just glance, gaze. Gaze, meditate upon the word. Speak the word. Close your eyes. Visualize it. Not in some weird new agey kind of way. But God, whatever you promise me, I, I see it. I'm gazing at your promises until it begins to get into your heart and get into your spirit and stirs your faith. And the final, the final verse of all of this is verse 6. It says, and Abram believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Uh, and I looked, what I did is I, I looked at that word believed. And here's, here's what this word means. The Hebrew is aman. And one of the layers, Hebrew is a very uh, rich language. I, I think that God in his providence used and in his sovereignty had the Old Testament scriptures written in Hebrew and the New Testament scriptures written in Greek because they're, they're such layered languages. They're very rich and they're, they're very deep. And you can like just, you can Google if you're, if you want to know what a word meaning and Bible hub, uh, Dot com has a great thing, and you can just click on that, and it's a great study tool. It'll, it'll add a layer to your devotional life. But that word aman is a very nuanced word. It's a very layered word. And one of the layers to that word means to believe, means um, to foster father 
or foster mother. That's kind of, that's kind of strange, right? Like I was, I was having this moment of disconnect there. I'm like, believe, what, do, what does that have in common with being a foster mother or a foster father? Side note, parenthetical statement. Many, several in our congregation uh, are being used by the Lord as foster parents. You are doing an amazing, beautiful work. Can we just thank the Lord for our foster families? Thank you for, for what you're doing. So why would the word believe mean to foster father? Well, I want you to think about it. What was Abram's promise? To be the father, right? But God, I don't, I don't see it. God, the longing of my heart, the promise, the promise that is unfulfilled in my life is to be a father. God, that's what you've called me to do. That's my destiny. God, I'm gazing into your promises and I'm counting the stars and I'm believing that for my future, but I don't see it right now. All I see is Eleazar, but God, you've promised me Isaac. God, I know that someday I'm going to be a dad. God, I know that someday I'm going to be a father. So what did God say? God said, Abram, until the time comes when I give you a son, and you are a father, I want you to foster father. In other words, don't wait until the promise comes to start acting as if it were so. And I feel like that's a word for somebody today. While you're waiting on your promise, go ahead and act as if it were so. So maybe it is very, very real. I want to I be a dad, and you're not a dad yet. Be a youth leader and find a group of teenagers to pour into. Act like it were so. Maybe, maybe you're stocking shelves, and you're called to be the CEO. Act as if it were so. By the way, you know what CEOs do? They show up early. They stay late. They do more than is required. Start acting as if it were so. If you want a great marriage, you say, Pastor, I've got an Eleazar marriage. I want an Isaac marriage. Start acting as if it were so. Don't wait on your spouse to make the first move. You start treating them like you want to be treated. Act as if it were so. What you want out of life, begin to act as if it were so, because what happens, go ahead and stand to your feet all across this auditorium. What happens, see church, here's a powerful principle from God's word. Sometimes we believe our way into acting, but other times we act our way into believing. I wonder if we can just take a moment through our praise and worship. I wonder if we can just take a moment in our posture, and I wonder if we can pray them like it were so. I wonder if we can praise them like the kids are serving Jesus. I wonder if we can praise them like the ministries exploded. I wonder if we can praise them. Come on, can you just posture yourself? Church, act as if it were so. Jesus, my
with every head bowed and every eye closed across this auditorium. How many of you would say, Pastor, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting, but I'm not going to stop on Eleazar. Come on, just lift your hands right now. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm believing for Isaac. I'm going to go forward for Isaac. God, I've got a holy discontent in me. God, I want Isaac. We're not going to settle. We're not going to settle. God, stir faith. I'm going to act as if it were so. I'm going to act. I'm going to believe. I'm going to gaze. I'm going to act as if it were so. One, one more question with heads bowed and eyes closed. Can I ask you this? When it comes to the death, resurrection, and life, and the fact that Jesus is our soon and coming king, do you believe it? No, I, did, I didn't ask if you would get it right on a true and false test. True, false. Jesus lived a perfect life, died a perfect death, rose again, is at the right hand of the Father, and he's coming again. True. I'm sorry. That doesn't cut it. Jesus said that even the demons believe that and tremble, but that doesn't get you into heaven. What gets you into heaven is acting as if it were so. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Are you acting as if it were so? Are you acting like Jesus really canceled out your sins? Are you acting like you really have new resurrected life in Christ? Are you acting like he could come any day? Is your heart ready? Are you telling others with every head bowed and every eye closed? Maybe you would say, Pastor, I'm, I'm saved. Like I know I'd make heaven, but I'm not fully acting as if it were so. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand and put it right back down and just say, Jesus, help me to, help me to truly believe. Not just, not just a Sunday belief, but on Wednesday, let me act as if it were so. On Thursday, on Friday, on the weekends, let me act as if it were so. Let me embody. And then maybe there would be some that say, Pastor, I'm, I'm not saved. Yeah, I'd probably get it right on a true and false test, but I'm not living it. That's the word from the Lord for somebody. He's not mad at you, but he brought you here today. You're watching online. You believe it intellectually, but you're not living it. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand and let's pray a prayer of salvation. One, two, three. Raise your hand. Put it up and you put it right back down. I got you. I got you. Pastor, I'm not living it. I'm not like I'm going through the motions, but I'm not living it. Thank you. Online. Let's all pray this prayer out loud. This is going to be a powerful moment, but let's all join in faith and say, Jesus, forgive me. I come to the cross and I repent. Come into my heart, come into my life, and help me to act like it is so through the power of the Holy Spirit. I bless you now with a greater anointing and a greater power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit enables you to put into practice the things that you say you believe in your heart. And so Holy Spirit come through this place. Holy Spirit come through this place. Hey, y'all, y'all okay with a little snow day extension? Here's, here's what the Lord, if you need to go 
in just a moment, I understand. We got to turn the parking lot. We got to get the next crowd in. But here's what I believe the Lord wants to do is the Holy Spirit wants you to empower to live what you believe. If you just need some new power, some fresh power, we're going to take another three minutes. Maybe you have been living for God with everything that you got, and you just need some new power. I want to open up these altars right now. Come on, can you just begin to come? If you need to slip out, you're, you're free to go. But let's just open up these altars. Pastor Adam, Pastor Jamila, let's go ahead and, and just begin to worship it. Can we just say, God, and amen? Enable me to act. Enable me to live. I need a fresh outpouring, oh God. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. Ask Him for that fresh wind. Ask Him for that fresh fire. Ask Him for those fresh promises in the name of Jesus. Come on, new power. New power. New power to act. New power to pray. New power to believe. New power in the name of Jesus. Come on. Somebody go after their Isaac right now. teach you something. Some, some of you may be familiar with this. Others that didn't grow up in, in a Pentecostal church, there may be new. But the Bible says in Acts chapter 1, 8, 2, 4, and in different places through the book of Acts, that one of the evidences that we've received a second endowment of power of the Holy Spirit is a spiritual language or speaking in tongues. And it's not required for salvation, but it is an extra endowment of power. And the Bible says in the book of Romans that there are times when we just we run out of words like we're praying for our Isaac like we're going after God for our Isaac and we run out of words and we don't know what else to say and so the spirit begins to pray through us in a spiritual language and so I just with every head bowed and every eye closed if you want that or maybe it's been a while since you've received that or maybe you've been baptized in that but can you just begin to ask him God baptize me in the Holy Spirit God if this is from you I want it I want that spiritual language if you're if you're baptized already would you just begin to go ahead and speak in that language and that stirs the atmosphere and and provides an atmosphere of faith but right now God we just ask for a new baptism of the Holy Spirit a new wave in this place oh God fill us full that's it just begin to open up your mouth praise him in English praise him in the spirit 
the Lord might just prompt you to begin to pray in another tongue. I know it might seem different. I know it might seem a little bit strange, but if you just say, God, I want everything that you want from me. I want a fresh outpouring. I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to stop on Eleazar. God, I'm going after Isaac. I want the power that you have for me, oh God. Can I- The Lord might direct you to pray for somebody. I just want to release the pastors and the prayer team just to begin to lay a hand on somebody's shoulder and ask them for a fresh outpouring. Ask them for a new baptism. Ask them for a refreshing in the name of Jesus. Ask them for that spiritual language in the name of Jesus. Ask them for outpouring. You know, you know, one of the ways that we can act as if it were so, I didn't, I didn't know that story about Frank, y'all. That was the first time I'd seen that video. That'll mess a preacher up before he comes up to preach. <laughs> Here's how you can act as if it were so. Walk the land. Walk the land. What's your promise? Go ahead and walk the land. Go ahead and walk around. Walk around that son or daughter's room. Walk around their house. Walk around your neighborhood. Let's walk the streets. Let's walk. Let's drive prophetically. Slap some oil on the bottom of your shoes and begin to begin to walk. Use that prayer language and begin to walk. And I'm I'm believing that God is going to empower you and enable you. You not only have the resurrection power in you, but by the power of the Holy Spirit is coming out of you. You are acting as if it were so. God bless you guys. Join us online or in person for 21 days of prayer. Let's give God praise one more time for all of his blessings.